Welcome to Fourth Times the Charm, where niche is need. I'm your producer, Ben, soon to be followed by your director, Matt, and our uh, personal head of catering, Monty. Today, they are going to be talking to you about all sorts of movies, I think. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm about to find out right alongside with you. But first, a few notes from me. This past week, I watched 1959's House on Haunted Hill. Very good. Worth a watch. Just make sure you're awake enough for it. I also watched uh, Fear Street 1994 from Netflix, just because I was curious. Not very good. And uh, The Babysitter, Killer Queen, which is very good. Excellent accompaniment to the first movie. And you should watch them both side by side, which is the sign of a truly good duology. Uh, But first, before we get to the main bulk of today's episode, we had a giveaway for an action figure of your choice from a selection that I posted to our Instagram account. We had a wealth of people reach out. They reviewed us five stars. They sent me the screen cap. They are subscribed to the show. And now we are going to spin the wheel, make the deal, and we are going to see who is coming away with one of like 13 or so choices for wrestling figures or memorabilia, anything ranging from WCW to AEW, WWE, and so on. And we're going to spin it right now and find out who spun the wheel and made the deal. Congratulations to... Johnny JB, congratulations. The wheel has chosen you, and thus we have chosen you. Is our biggest fan. Please uh, reach out to us. Uh, BenDavidTucker at gmail.com. That is BenDavidTucker at gmail.com. And you may send me your selection and your address. And I will get your gift right over to you. And now with that all said, please enjoy Fourth Time's the Charm. Good night and good morning welcome to fourth times the charm the only podcast where niche is neat it is your director matt taking back control after i was shunned from last week's episode (laughs) i i am i am joined by always the inevitable and the incredible montenegro uh monty how are you doing this week and how's catering i am good and catering is getting there all right does <laughs> that make sense <laughs> but, so yeah. so to, so today's episode is the return of triple m triple it's m. gonna be matt it's gonna be monty and it's gonna be movies because when ben's not here we talk <laughs> yeah. about all of the movies in length yeah. um yeah so this year we got a stacked this episode we got a stacked episode i'm gonna go over my thoughts of hellraiser because i wasn't able to give them last week uh monty's gonna tell us about a new hong kong film that he found called detectives versus sleuths we're going to talk about the brand new Shutter original uh, VHS 99. Uh, I'll get into my thoughts on Deadstream, uh, also the Shutter original after that because it's relevant because they share a director for one of the shorts. And then we will dive into one of the most incredible horror festivals that happens, in my opinion, around the world. And ideally the best one in Chicago, without question, the Music Box of Horror 2022, which was a wild ride um but let's jump into it first with hellraiser so monty last week you and ben talked about how much you loved hellraiser 
Um, I think you both agreed that you thought it was the best Hellraiser you've seen. I would say, uh, like, so it's far. like, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't cancel out the first two, okay. in my opinion, that I loved. Uh, three, yeah. maybe. I know how you feel about three. Um, but uh, <laughs> three is awesome. Three is okay. It's got its, three is it's okay. got its redeeming qualities. Yes, three was okay. And, and I have to say, I love this, this remake reboot whatever you want to call it um i'm i have to say that i i managed to watch it again with oh, okay. with my wife and and she thought it was really interesting and very good oh so, good yeah. so yeah it's breaking down boundaries yeah, yeah i i have to i genuinely agreed with everything you guys said and i mentioned it briefly over on the instagram mm-hmm. but this was uh it's it's very very close to the first one for me the first one for me and and i think this is better than the second one but the second one's a hell of a lot of fun yeah um but the second we'll 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 talk about hellbound because it was part of the music box of horror so we'll we'll say comments on hellbound all right right. yeah um but uh, yeah overall hellraiser is the hellraiser 2022 is an incredible entry into this series it shows how awful the other two remakes we got were, um, I think the things it really, really gets right is the deep lore and the universe within the, that Hellraiser has. Um, the cube is incredible in this, in this movie. It's mechanical, it's nitty, it's gritty. Some of the best parts of the cube in Hellraiser's and Hellraiser one and Hellbound Hellraiser two are how like gritty and mechanical the cube looks. Yeah. And this movie really, really pulls it off. It evolves um, on since, the cube. Like it actually has different yeah. levels now. So like we well, mentioned so there's, last time, right? So there's some layer to that in uh Hellbound actually. Uh it's not as important in in the first Hellraiser because you just always finish it. Yeah. Um, but Hellbound has a little bit of context around uh, like the shape and like some of the aspects of the cube, which I think are pretty cool in retrospect of seeing this movie and how much more they took it into the that realm. So yeah, overall, I, I mean, Hellraiser 2022 is like a four and a half out of five for me. It sits just below the original, which I think takes it just because of the like goopy, grimy, the intensity of the violence. It was one thing that I felt that was kind of missing from this Hellraiser uh was how gruesome and tortured and like truly hellish but you um, know what first you are yeah but most importantly i really love the human you know the human side of the story about the the the, obviously the message is like for those of you who've seen it not trying to spoil anything the message is really um you know you you reap what you sow you know what i mean yeah and and yeah you earn you earn your sin yes like exactly. your, your punishment your punishments are always well earned yeah um because that's what the cenobites do yeah um yeah. and it makes and it makes sense and i think yeah we, we, without spoiling it the way the story ends um really sets itself up to be like a larger universe i think we 100 percent will get at least one or two sequels especially yeah. if the i mean the movie was released on streaming so i don't can't it's hard to qualify how much money it actually makes but if it's popular enough i guarantee you we're gonna get um at least three more of them at least two more i mean well the reviews are pretty good on it so yeah reviews are great i think hopefully the reviews are enough to save it so yeah yeah. and i'll and i'll talk about what i think is gonna happen in the sequel when we talk about the sequel 
to the original Hellraiser later on. All right. Um, but to keep chugging on forward, let's talk about Detectives versus Sleuths. So this is a movie I've never even heard about. So Monty, <laughs> yeah, tell, tell, give me, shower me with lore. So the reason why we, I added this onto the list was, you know, it's part of our discussion in our green room meeting and what movies we've seen this week. And I, I happened to come across this one because it seemed very interesting. Uh, it's a Hong Kong film. And the premise is basically about this uh, detective who's gone mad. And he's like, he's, I guess the correct term is, is kind of like schizophrenia. And okay. he's, but he's, he's able to solve cases by, based on all the uh, serial killer profiles. He, you know, is it profile? Uh, yeah, yeah that'd be profile. Yeah, profile. Profile. Yeah, and and it's all trapped in his head, and he realizes okay. that they are there's he's solving these cases a little a few decades too late, but he also realizes <laughs> there are these sleuths like a group that are okay. murdering these who, the surviving like these cold case serial killers they're actually going out to find them well meanwhile he parallel running parallel is this mad detective is coming close to solving all these you know cold cases that were going on okay. and and so anyway so he's now the situation has turned he has to get to these serial killers and proper do the justice thing is to arrest them apprehend them before okay. these sleuths gets to them who are uh, who are killing them like taking That's revenge wild. justice into their own hands and it's like then it, you know so they later find out that these sleuths is like kind of like a cult of victims these are okay. these are uh, surviving members of the families these serial killers had killed, and basically how they're killing the serial killers is you know serving the same justice back, you know same same punishment oh, they got okay. back. But it's not you know according to law that's not right. You shouldn't do that. So um, without spoiling anything, that that's basically the whole premise. So it's like a cat and mouse uh, chase to see. Um, it started off. Is this, is this a, is this a modern movie? Yeah, it's a, movie? it's a modern movie. Oh God. It, it sounds like it was year. made it. The premise sounds like it was made in the seventies. Yeah, it stars. Like it sounds ridiculous. It, it, it is, but it, it's very fast paced. I'll give it that. However, okay. it, it started to go too fast. Like the, like oh. the, the brakes stopped working and it oh, just kept rushing. on rushing into it. And then near the end, it just got so ridiculous that i was just like oh my god this is like it does not make any sense like there's one scene where they're trapped inside this um this oil tanker or or okay. shipping shipping uh the ship container. that has a container right and oh, like, yeah a container and ship, you get yeah. f and they're locked inside one of the the rooms and they're one of the the the, the cop she was pregnant and okay. she's giving birth and there's what? no blood. She picks up her baby and starts running. No blood, no nothing. And the then <laughs> the bad guys, they throw in five grenades into this room and no one – it explodes. It goes off and the, our heroes manage to make it through the door without a single scratch or – you know, oh, anything. It, I'm just like it's, it's like serious. Jurassic. It's like Jurassic World, where the character still has heels on the whole movie. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Kind of that kind of. It's just rid ridiculous. Simplicity. Yeah. yeah. But I have to give credit where credit is due. The lead actor, if 
you know what, Matt? I'll introduce some more films with him in it later to you. But his name is... uh, Yeah. So his English name is Sean Liu. And he is one of those... Oh, he was in Black Mask. Uh, yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, okay, I know Lee. that movie. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I've seen a lot. I've seen most of Jet Li's movies. Right. Jet Li's fucking rad. Cool. Uh, so yeah, he he is one of the the you know few method actors in, in, oh. in Hong Kong that's left in the cinemas uh, this day and age. I I mean, there are tons more, but I haven't seen them put out much. But I have to say, playing a mad detective who has multiple personalities of the serial killers, you know, in his head, and he has to reenact them. It's just really interesting. I mean, they obviously... he, takes on aspects of the the people he's, like, hunted down. Yeah, it's not like... like, At first, you think he's being possessed by them because these these guys are... Some of them are dead uh, and solving their own murder cases. Like, the serial killers are telling him the answers, but meanwhile, you realize, oh, he's not being possessed. It's all... He's figuring it out in his head, but he's putting himself in, in two shoes. Like, one as a detective and one as a as the serial killer. So he's managed okay. to piece... He can piece things together very well. Um, he did an excellent job doing it, uh, film, and I think he was the only shining light but <laughs> i don't know like something it, it just got really really weird at the end and it just doesn't mm-hmm. make sense and the movie ends with um a possible sequel it's an open ending oh, okay. and i'm just like oh no no one needs this <laughs> yeah so that's that's detective versus loose all if there are people out there who are hong kong film junkies um my rating for the film is definitely a 2.5 out of 5 okay. personality. So like yeah. There's like a there's a chance if you really like it but if you're not already a fan Yeah, like like give it a shot. It's it's done. It's it's one of those films that, you know, when you just when you start watching it, it's like, "Oh, this is kind of different. It's it's yeah. engaging, but once it grabs you, it's like the handbrakes, the brakes come off the wheel, the wheels yeah, of the car. It goes, is just, it goes from being fun to just being a, like a wild. Yeah, it just ride. went pointless. Yeah. So oh. I just thought, you know, I share this since I watched it in completion. Yeah. And yeah, that, that's my rating. Yeah. Now, now let's let's move on to an, uh, another film that uh, I think has the opposite problem as uh, sounds like Detective versus Salute had where it starts <laughs> Is one of the worst things I've ever seen and somehow ends on a high note, but we'll get to it. This is the brand new anthology series released on Shudder, VHS 99. Now, I do not want to shit on Shudder as a brand. Shudder's fucking awesome. But, but, man, did the first three shorts of this five short anthology suck some serious asshole. Yeah. I, it, it was like, it was each of them. The problem with each of them too, is that each of them had a great idea. Each, Agreed. each of the, every short in the, in the, in the anthology had yeah. a cool idea at the core of it, mm-hmm. but only two of them did anything with those cool ideas. So I think, I think we should go through each of these shorts one at a time. Yeah. Um, they're short films. I'm, we're going to talk spoilers, especially about the bad ones. Um, and and I uh, and, are you sure you I, want to spoil it for our audiences? Maybe they're interested to check it out. Maybe they have a different uh, perspective. I'll 
You know, I, okay, all right. Let's now, hold I back a little spoil, bit. Let's I'll, hold, I'll hold back, back a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. yeah. But the spoiler, three of these are really bad. But this this movie came, I, I decided to watch this because Monty watched this this week. And when I got home from work today, I was tired and I had to fold laundry. And I was like, boy, let's watch a horror anthology. And <laughs> some of the best, our favorite movies we found on this channel, we found through horrors and horror anthologies, mm -hmm. like with Lunch Ladies, which is a fantastic uh, short um, from uh, from the Hilarious series. They had Killer Cart. Another great short, the ABCs of Death one and two, both are fantastic trilogies that take. Love it. I, I'm not a huge fan of. I'm not a huge fan of anthologies, but I have to say, ABCs yeah. of Death one two one and two are are really good. It's a shame they stopped. It was a really good idea, I but I think it, it, I can understand why they stopped because it is very challenging to to make your movie based mm -hmm. on a letter, right? So yeah, yeah. But I think I think when we talked about this, when we talked about Hell Arius and ABCs of Death, is I think I think that horror is the genre best suited for these kind this this length of film. Um, I think like horror situates itself really well for short form storytelling and can be incredible by showing less and creating atmosphere. Oh, yeah. And and short films about I mean horror short films capture that better than almost any other genre outside of comedy, but horror and comedy are basically the same. I was just going to say the same. Yeah. Like you just get to the punchline and it delivers. Yeah. If it delivers it's either, it's, great. It's, it's, either a, yeah. it's a scream or it's a laugh. Yes, exactly. And and the art of of making a, a horror short is really I think is really difficult but is a really captivating endeavor. And so let's talk about five new ones. Right. Um, so in VHS 99, the premise is these are all like set in the 90s, like shot on handheld camcorders. Like that's like <coughs> the general theme, I guess. Like all of them were like somewhat found footage. I think they were all found footage films. Uh, and they were all shot on what at least appeared to be camcorders. Um, so we start with the first one, which they didn't tell you the title when the movie started, but it's called Shredder. Shredding, uh, which was written and directed by Maggie Levine or Lavin, Levin, Levine, Levin, Levine? one of the two. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Monty, so what did you what did you think about Shredding? I thought it started off with a very interesting concept. Yeah. Um, cool premise. <laughs> you know what? I have to say, being a child, pardon me, uh, my throat is kind of itchy, um, but. Um, I have to say, like, growing up in the 90s, it does bring back some memories watching it and how it started. I mean, we I did stupid stuff that they did oh, yeah. and, and all that. But it quickly, uh, what I liked about it is it quickly dives right into a, a story about a punk rock group and mm -hmm. how they were trampled to death by their fans due to a fire breaking out and the, while they're which is metal as fuck exactly right but such a such a cool idea and so the kids just go off and they decide to do some exploring and the movie and um yeah it, it, it well, that, like, so, that's yeah, when so it started band, to fall apart yeah um, the band yeah. the band decides that the band that's making the the found footage film we're watching yeah. decides they're gonna go and play a set in the same place where all these people died mm -hmm. and it's going to be like metal as hell. And one of the dudes is like clearly really uncomfortable. I don't know why they put that in there. It just made the character seem like assholes. Yeah. So I, I think they did it. So you'd want to see him die. Um, 
which is also funny because they're clearly just supposed to be like, oh, I hope these people die. Yeah. Um, and then and then stuff goes awry in in the for the characters in the plot, but also for the sake of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, it the film is like it's found footage, right? And there's yeah. some art to found footage. We'll talk about Deadstream, um, and some of the other movies in this thing that do found footage very well, which yes. is. Yeah. Where you can like show things in the distance without really seeing them because of the camera angle, but you use static camera, use the movement of the camera, and who's moving the camera as the story goes on makes sense. Yes, yeah. In this movie, the camera doesn't make sense. I agree. After, especially I agree. after as the end happens, which is which is weird. And the there's like it implies it's found footage, right? But it's implied that the that the cut we're looking at was edited. <laughs> because they <laughs> you know what that is true yeah how they like shot when the it, supernatural it didn't make sense. shit yeah. yeah when the supernatural <clears throat> shit started happening to the to the camera at the end it made sense yeah but like leading up to that there were like edits called for by the people making it yeah which don't make sense as the movie goes on because they you know spoiler alert some of the characters die um but like how it happens is I don't know. It just and the it just and didn't, be, it's just like they yeah. did it just for the sake of the, because this is a horror genre and they had to throw in some gore yeah. some way some shape some and form. it and it's but such it's just a, so poorly executed. Yeah, you know, it doesn't the gore doesn't make doesn't serve anything. Yes, like the the gore the gore in the in the latter two in um the Gawkers and Helen back has a purpose at least and and yeah. and to a degree in our uh, our middle feature um. Ozzy's dungeon. The gore has a purpose. Now we'll get to that movie. In yeah, a yeah. <laughs> um, the gore at least has a purpose. And this one, it's just like it's random. And if it was supposed to be like a punk rock music video, yeah, like at least commit to it being a music video at the end. Mm-hmm. If it like if the end had transitioned into this like punk rock TV movie sh- like show, like it had gone like full punk rock music video. And it was like a ridiculous over the top murder spree with like tons of blood and like goop. It would have been rad. It would have been a great transition, you yeah. know. But that's not what happens. It's just stupid. Yeah, it's you can say poorly it. executed. It's stupid. Yeah, it's it just is. it's it's and it's insulting because it's such a cool idea. Yeah, and the performances are great up to that point. The, the the everything is good up until the last like what five minutes of the thing, and it just it gets. I, you know um, what, Matt? I let's when we get through this whole story, I'll give you my overall analysis of how where where I feel they actually went went why it went the way it went and why for, it's for, it, for it, shredding it, or for the whole or the whole. Yeah, I'm beginning to notice like now that I think back about watching all the stories that are told in this one movie, mm-hmm. there is something that's just it just falls apart and. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Okay, but. okay, sorry. But my my official rating for shredding is two out of five. Oh man, you're generous. I yeah, give oh, it, I'm, I'm not gonna be in a second. <laughs> I give it one point five VHS out of five VHS. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> two VHSs, so two two blockbuster. V- I think this is the one where they make like a blockbuster joke too, which is atrocious. Yeah. Oh, this this whole thing has by like the whole thing, even the good movies, except for Helen Beck. Helen Beck doesn't have this side, but every all four of the other movies totally have a like, hey kids. You know, I'm cool. I know the 90s. Yes. It's really weird. And like, even though it seems like these are being made by like younger people. Yeah. It feels really like shittily performative. Yeah. And talking about shitty performances, that brings us to short number two, 
um, Suicide Bid, which is the only one I successfully guessed the name of mm-hmm. before they showed it during the credits because I was like, it's totally going to be called Suicide Bid. <laughs> um, so Suicide Bid tells the story of a girl who wants to join a sorority, and it opens up with her making like a vlog about trying to join the sorority, which, again, now the camera has a purpose. Yes. Okay, cool. Camera has a purpose at this point in the movie. Mm-hmm. And and she decides that she's going to join this, this sorority, and she's only going to uh, rush for a single sorority. And her friend's like, that's dumb. It's called a suicide bid. Yeah. And, and then it randomly cuts. I had way too much time with zero context. Um, to her with four of the sorority sisters who have her like, clearly intoxicated and are taking her to the cemetery where years and years ago a girl from their from their sorority was hazed by being buried alive in a coffin and they were only supposed to leave her there for 24 hours but they left her there for a week and when they unburied her she was gone right so they're (laughs) clearly gonna bury the main character into the thing and it's dumb and uh yeah, and, and a bunch of stuff happens, but the the thing that that really up until this point, I was like, this again, great concept, mm-hmm. cool idea, somewhat poor, less well executed than the first movie uh, in the beginning part because of the weird like um, jumbliness. But I was like, this movie's gonna go wild. Yeah, um, it's got a great premise. They like they more than at one point reference that the character who died, like spirit, will like drag you into the underworld, and so they get her in the coffin and they set up this like. The potential for a really, really cool or really intense movie. Yeah. Um, and and to show how inconsistent this movie is, uh, when they're first putting throwing uh dirt onto the coffin, there's a cross cut into the coffin so you can see the actress's face. Yes. Yeah. And dirt hits her face <laughs> at first because it's clearly a hole. Yeah. And then as they continue to bury her, it creates a perfect seal over it. <laughs> and then it's clearly covered in glass afterwards, which plays into the plot of the movie. Yes. And and it's just, this is another one where you have a fantastic opening with a great concept. Yeah. The potential for something super, super cool. And then by a virtue of like a terrible payoff, an absolutely atrocious, and I mean the worst of them all um makeup in the entire movie it looks like a costume from i think i actually wrote spirit halloween outfit or it's kind of like you know it's kind of like very what's that movie return of the living dead kind of yeah zombies but this was yeah but but even okay there's one of them is yeah one of them is like a return of the evil dead zombie but it's made in 2022 in color on a camera and it looks like plastic garbage at least the, the other character they just do like corpsey face paint on her <laughs> yeah. and that looks fine that was fine um, that was fine that she looked fine it was the other it was like the whatever like griselda or whatever yeah. the name <laughs> i don't know, know some... i i i have to say this is it like again it, 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 it it's it's your typical uh bloody mary dare situation yeah. story which fits the school storyline really yep. well like it all you, fits you in the that, camera it fits so well but it's just like i think this if this this story i think if mm-hmm. if this goes into a full length feature film i think we got something you could have done something you could have had the character get like dragged into hell 
yeah. and done like an as above so below thing about like hazing yeah and or or you turn it into like an awesome i know you did last summer revenge film yes it's like yeah. one you do one of the two and the movie didn't either yes and <laughs> it's like there's it just an incredible to to, idea in there i like it was all like the lead up to it to, to the finale mm-hmm. was really well done because it's like it rained and then yeah, when they went back cool. and i'm just like yeah you guys really screwed up like you guys yeah but it was so it was aggressively ob- obvious that that's what was gonna happen yeah. like as soon as it started drizzling i was like oh, okay there's gonna well, you know that's gonna be an issue yes um and I think you they, they did like a job where they made it so she was like deeply traumatized. Like the movie was like trying to make you to some degree uncomfortable, I think. Yeah. You and, know, with like how trapped she was and claustrophobic. Yeah. But again, like you need yeah. like a you need like a thirty minute short for that or like an hour. And like, arachnophobic. <laughs> yeah, but that looks so lame. Oh yeah, yeah. If the those CGI. spiders scared you, yeah. like they it was I think some of them were real spiders too. But it was like gratuitous. It wasn't even like fun scary. It was yeah. just like aggravating. But I have to say the actress that was in, in the, the coffin, she actually <laughs> pulled off really well. Yeah, but she then, did a great job. But then it just like unfortunately, you know, the writing cannot save the actors, obviously. Yeah. So yeah, it just went. And this down. uh and, and this one was written and directed by um uh Johan Roberts. Yes. Oh, I couldn't tell if that was a. I couldn't read my own handwriting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Johan Roberts. I thought I, said, I thought I wrote two. Where is it? No, I lost my place. And he did. Oh, two hands is what I looked like. Did, I wrote. Yeah, Johan Roberts. I have to say, let's. I'm looking at his his IMDb. Okay. He, he actually directed Forty Seven Meters Down, and oh, okay. and get this, Matt. He directed the recent remake of Resident Evil. Which well, explains a lot. Yeah, this dude, this dude can't pull movies off. <laughs> um, that, yeah, this, this is like the, this, this is the worst of the bunch. Um, uh, you know this, what? Okay, I okay. Give your rating. You give your rating. It, this is like a point five out of five for me. For you, okay. It, this I movie am, was insulting. I hated this with such a dramatic passion. I will give it a two because wow. you know why? Because it. It, it had a great start, but it just fell apart. It had too much of the drag me to hell vibe near the end. But, and, it's yeah, just like, you, ugh, come it's on. goofy. Yeah. You could have made, you also could have made an awesome goofy movie out of this. Like it mm-hmm. could have also been hilarious. But I one. have a feeling that if they, I, I know this is a far, far reach, but if they actually turned this into a full length feature, could there really is a cool. possibility of it being really good. You yeah. you give this movie to Van, uh to Vanessa and uh Joseph Winter. They may they may do something they, really well. Yeah, if they yeah. if they had this movie in this concept or you give it to like like some like really intense like visceral director, like you could do an incredibly creepy movie or an incredibly wild fun wacky film with it. it's like such a that's what that's why my rating is so low. Yeah. Because yeah. the idea is so good. The idea um, is great, but it just I just you know, I just think right. the timing wasn't enough for it, for it to be a short film, you know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. This next one is is a high point for me and what I expect to be an extremely low point for Monty. And when I watched when I got to the end of this movie, my first thought was I bet Monty hated that um and 
It is Ozzy's Dungeon, which was directed by Flying Lotus and written by Zoe Zoe Cooper and Flying Lotus. Uh, Monty, <laughs> do you do you want to tell the tell the crowd about this one? So this one is about you know popular game show that's what's say that Nickelodeon game show. Yeah, it's like that. But in in, in Canada, there is a show called You Can't Do That on television okay. or something like that it's kind of like the, the the children but this one it's like it just takes you down to hell it's like <laughs> yeah. really like extreme challenges for kids to compete in these optical yeah, courses r- very insulting yeah and in and, and, and the the, ho- the host the actor that played the host i have to give him props he was pretty good yeah. um but so basically, long story short, is one of the contestants they receive a permanent en- injury and the parents loses it. So years later, um, you know, the parents get their revenge on the kidnaps the host and they demand some compensation out of this, mm-hmm. and it just goes it just goes really bizarre after it this. gets well. It gets like the <clears throat> middle section. So I, I wrote. As the movie was uh was was playing as the movie ended, I wrote great opening. Great opening. Like, really again, cool idea. Again, again fantastic yeah. fucking idea. Yes. Like a Nickelodeon horror theme show. Like it where it goes at the end should have been where it went from the beginning. Yeah. Um the middle is like unnecessary, kinda dumb, a little bit disturbing. Um, but it like I get it, like Sonia Eddy, the actress who plays the mom yeah. of the daughter in the movie, is really good. She's yeah. a great actress, and Stephen Ogg, who plays the host, is also a great actor. Yes, but it's just like weirdly uncomfortable. You know what? If and they, you, if they, it's it's kind of like okay. This is how I felt about it. I felt like it was on the right track. The train was on the right track, and then the track warps, and the train just flies off it. But then, then, it, but then, like after the stupidity or the the unnecessary unnecessarity yeah. of the middle portion, it's all undermined no, by no, us no. jumping. Like, I, I, like I, my point is, if if they continued on with the middle section of the film, where it becomes kind of like a um, a revenge torture, torture porn, porn. And, yeah. and they continue with that, and then they just kill them or something like that. Then and then call it at the end of the day. That's great, but it's when they I, when they just moved on to the third act of that story. I was just like, well, the the third act should have been where the second act started. Like like yeah with, like, the, yeah, yeah I guess that's so. like You're like you a continuation. Yes, you had yeah. to commit to one. You can't you can't have the middle part in, sandwiched in between the beginning and the end because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just kind of unne- it doesn't gel. Yeah. Um. I think I what I think you should have done in the middle is you should have like all right. This is gonna be a slight spoiler. Yeah. But like he he should have won, mm-hmm. and they should have like let him out. Yes. Like something should have had like there should have been like that or like he made a wish and then it got like betrayed or some other random thing. Like you could have done like a very realism, like harsh, vibrant reality end, and it would have been shocking and, and it would have been cool. Yeah. I would have accepted all the ridiculousness of the middle part if that's how it ended. And going... but then we get this like like obtuse Lovecraftian ending, which is again <laughs> yeah. really fucking cool yes. and like a great idea and really visceral. But it flops because the middle part doesn't set you it up. Doesn't, for that, for it the doesn't. It doesn't tie. It doesn't tie the ends too well. It doesn't connect yeah. 
too well. But and, no. and also to bring up another point that you mentioned for the first two is the camera was really unnecessary. Oh, yeah. Like this is not well, like, though, but at least the camera the, made sense. It made sense at up least... to a point, up to the second act. But the third no, act, no. it just got ridiculous. Well, because yeah, it just I don't know why he kept filming. Exactly. No, that's what I mean. He, it takes away like at least it takes away the illusion. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that's why I hate about these these camera found footage film or whatever you want to call it these genres mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense why the camera is still rolling like you have to have a story that it makes sense for the camera to continue well, to be the, rolling. the last two the last two <clears throat> the camera makes sense yes yeah yeah, Th- yeah. this one to the, this is the beginning of the camera making sense because at the very least they acknowledge that the person has a camera yes yeah right like so they're like it's part of the narrative in like a constructive way that makes it fun mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but yeah it does it, the ending was weird beginning was great really great again concept in the finish a little flop because of the the payoffs not as awesome as it could have been yes we needed more from donna as a character I think if like the second half of the middle part of the movie had just been the host and Donna or like the host and like some other setup, yeah. it would have been cooler. So we could have got to know or if Donna. Satan just showed up somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, we, yeah, we got more out of the, yeah. the monster. And again, for me, the sense I got was timing again. They didn't, they ran out of time and they just tried to squeeze every last bottle of the ketchup out. Yeah. And, and that's well, it feels like they filmed the first part and the third part and they're like, all right, we need a middle. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You know what? That, that is a good way of looking at it. I never yeah. thought of it that way, but that is so true. So what's your rating, okay. Matt? <clears throat> so this, this, this is like a 2.75 out of five, maybe a three. When it, right when I first watched it, it was definitely a three. The more I think about it, the more the middle annoys me. Yeah. Um, and brings it down to like a two and a half, two point seven five out of five. Yeah, I'm 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 pretty close where you are at. I say two point five, right in the middle. I mean, it had a great concept. I love, like you said, the 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 Lovecraftian thing that they're trying to do at the yeah, end. Yeah, that thing. And the figure, like, lo- the, it looks great, too. Oh, After yeah. Two it, movies it, it with bad me, set design and makeup. That was incredible. It gave me so much um, the thing vibe. Yeah. It's so yes, good. Yeah, and that's what that's actually, like, what got my attention. And and, and, then, yeah. and then it just, like, it ends. yeah, that's it. I'm just like, come on, man. So, yeah. But... But at least, at least then, from from horrific beginnings to middling middles mm-hmm. to to high highs at our end, we started the upward trajectory. At least for me, yeah. Um, with the Gawker, the movie that captures the tone and feel of what Shredding should have had, which was <laughs> the which was like the carefree early '90s like punk rock CKY. Um, like kids could afford camcorders and were doing wacky shit vibe. Yes. It was cool. It was an all child cast who were incredible, like shockingly good child actors across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the movie is just, you don't know where it's going to go because it's just their exploits. And they start the consistent thing is these boys are trying to film this hot girl, hot woman that lives across the street from them. Mm-hmm. And they're being like perverted boys and the main character's brother is like this like nerdy little guy that wants to be accepted and so a filmmaker when, don't forget he all through the film the, the it's carried on like there's all 
you know, oh, like, yeah, he, how all the other ones had a backstory, this one just had a continuation of his army men, and I thought it was really well yeah, shot. This, this, it was this really made funny. The ar- yeah, this made the <clears throat> army men thing actually worth it, because yeah. it was just random up to that point. Yeah. And it kind of jars you out of it by, like, having, instead of it cutting to a brand new segment, it just continues from there, and his brother takes the camera back. Uh, my guess at the name for this movie uh, which I just usually, I wait for a funny line in the beginning and that becomes my line is I, I, I wrote this one down as these pythons are thick, um, <laughs> as the name for it. Um, but like, yeah, this, this one, I actually don't want to spoil cause the ending's really cool. Really? Um, you, you, okay. Oh, I like the ending. Uh, you know, I, I thought I, it was fu- of all the shit they were going to do. At least they did that. And at least it looked good. Okay. I, I, I'm sorry, Matt. I know we agree on a lot of things, but this one I'm <laughs> against you on. I'm just like, <laughs> that ending was like, I can't believe it. I'm just like, what the Oh heck? yeah. It can't get any worse than this. And it, for me, my experience is that it actually got worse. I'm wow, like, okay. what? like, what is going on here? Like, I have no idea also, how he connects the dots and everything like that. It's just, it just it's, got me it's, dumb. It's, it's, okay, fine. It's Medusa. No, it's I awesome. know, but that doesn't make <laughs> any freaking sense. Yeah, but it doesn't have to. This is, this one, this one for me, on, on Four Times a Charm, sometimes we talk about, we give movies, we rate movies just based on quality, like the first three. Okay. But this is, this is a movie that gets, that gets onto the charmer scale. This movie is a solid three, three and a half to a four out of four on the charm scale. Um, because it's just rad. Like it's it's just it's, so, it's just cool. No man, like she, the build-up the effect to it of her is ripping, just so ridiculous. The build-up's awesome. The build-up sets you up to expect some like brutal serial killing thing, right? You know what? No, like, no, or, like, actually, a suicide, I was... and then it goes full. It goes full monster movie. She okay, look, I I knew like, it on. was like going into the third act where the reveal happens. I yeah. was actually hoping for it to be any other monster other than a greek mythology monster that just gets thrown yeah. into a, a suburban la it's just like hell yeah on, that doesn't make any sense it does all. medusa doesn't die she's just hanging out haven't you read percy jackson <laughs> yeah and, and, that, and, and, that, and, that, and that book that lady was medusa lived in like a a, a like a knickknack shop <laughs> oh my god no but this one honestly i'm i'm sorry matt i genuinely thought that curveball it it did not strike me out it well, really just got it, it just well, got Ty, really Ty, tyler tyler mcintyre and creasley hill i stand with you oh, um man. with with the gawkers i give this movie a three and a half out of five i give that one a 1.5 out of 5. Wow! Yeah, that one was really... Man. That one was like... It just got ridiculous. So, See, let's, let's just what, move on. I want to just move let's, on to the last Let's one. move on. Let's move <clears throat> on to the... To, I will say it now and I'll say it proud. The best movie in this whole thing. The mm-hmm. best looking movie. The best written movie. The best performed movie. The best sets. The best makeup. The best effects. We got to Helen back. Written and directed by the now acclaimed directors of Deadstream, Vanessa and Joseph Winter. This is a goddamn tour de force of just being fucking cool. Yeah. You start out with an old lady in 2000 sunglasses, like the obnoxious ones. 
and then it just spirals down one of the coolest rituals as a as a girl is committed to becoming the vessel of a demon um through like a pagan witch slash wiccan ritual um it's got fantastic setup the world feels completely real and lived in which is hard to do in a short movie it really feels like this is a fully realized situation in place and we get this incredible story of two de- two husbands who were just trying to help out uh, as their like <laughs> wives were doing a cool ritual and they were just doing and somehow out of the blue they get teleported into hell and have <laughs> yeah. to fight their way back um it's so goddamn cool um, the, uh, actor, uh, Melanie Stone, who plays Mabel, who's a demon in, in the hell world also played Chrissy in Deadstream. I and don't think she this, was a demon. Was she? I, you know, who knows? I, I, oh, she was a witch. She was a witch oh, she that was, was strapped in hell. Yeah, she wrote the yeah. book. She wrote the book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, she wanted her name written into the book. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you, you know yeah. what? I have to say this one is a perfect, uh, formula of horror slash comedy. Yep. It was really well done. And I, this, I this had my movie... chuckling moments and stuff like that. And yeah. I have to say, I had fun with this one. I yes. wouldn't say it's four the best. Out of four charms. I would not say it's the best Joseph Winter film after. You well, know, yeah. Because we, we, we did watch Deadstream Death first. And yep. I have a feeling this is where he got his toes wet. And then he made yeah. Death's. Deadstream. Deadstream. And I just hope that, that that is the case. But in my opinion, yeah, if I it, thought if it was this made one the other was, way around. This one was really well done. I would Incredible. agree with you, Matt. I would say it's a four out of five. Um and I yeah. don't think I don't think anyone has done fun footage this well. Quite this well in the mm-hmm. modern day. You know what there's, he ha- and, there's and some notice, other great realized, fun footage movies. I, I sorry, I, I realized that the way he shot it compared to the, the other directors, how they shot it is mm-hmm. he gets it. Like yeah, people, he truly people understands hate how to do that shaky cam bullshit. Yeah. He does it well enough that it is shaky, but it's not enough to yeah, he, to get you sick and get you not interested in the story to look he, away. He manages to do it really well with the mm-hmm. GoPros. I don't know how he does it, but he does it yeah, really well. No, yeah, he he truly has an understanding of how to do like POV, mm-hmm. how to do the running, the movement, everything. He truly gets it. Yeah. Um, I don't want to spoil this one because everyone should. If you're if you have Shutter, just just skip to the Gawkers, watch that, and then watch Alan back. You can skip everything else. Yeah. It, yeah. At the very least, skip shredding and suicide bit unless you want the pain. Um, it really makes the last three a lot better when you realize how terrible those are. Uh, but Helen back is incredible it is well worth your time yeah it's a four and a half or four out of five or four and a half out of five maybe yeah um yeah joseph and vanessa winter really really do an incredible job and and just briefly while we're here uh you ben and uh monty talked about deadstream last week um you guys wait 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 wait. before we move on before we move on okay my overall thought oh yeah what's your overall thoughts yeah i just think that so remember i mentioned the time for these films, how they were made. I have to say, I think what would have given, gotten it better was if they had given it a much more longer time to tell the story for each of these segments. Oh, sure. I think that if they did, it, it would have made the movie a lot more better. I don't know about you, Matt, but 
I felt every time when a story ended, I felt like it was just about to start. Did you get that I, feeling for each segment? I least? got that for for <clears throat> um for the first one for yeah for shredding shredding for yeah suicide bid. Um, I feel like uh, Ozzy's, Ozzy's dungeon. Ozzy's, Ozzy's, no, Ozzy's, Ozzy's dungeon. dungeon got to the end, but we like there I was wanted like an more hour missing from the middle. Exactly. Um, yeah, and, but and uh, Gawkers. No, I think Gawkers. Gawkers I think was well timed. How yeah, it well ended done. was done. Yeah, and and Helen back was perfect. Yes, Helen back was perfect. But like overall, it's like yeah, the 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 taste in my mouth when I was finished was like, oh, that's it. It's kind of like someone like you're sitting down for a five course meal and you just get to the good part of the plate and they take it away from you. I think you could have done like what what hilarious did was they interspersed really short ones with mm-hmm. like medium longer ones, and there could have been some more really fun shorts that weren't just the stupid army man thing yeah yeah which oh, like, yeah, did they technically pay off but like was they really could lame. do without it and then save use that time for the other stories to be told yeah i just think that's how it should have been. i think yeah, yeah. it should yeah it would have made it would have improved the situation yeah but that's that's my overall i just noticed that the key the thing that killed majority of the stories is the timing and it's just yeah. not enough time for what the ideas the filmmakers had going and Maybe they had to cut out a lot of stuff during the editing process, but it just Who felt knows? like, you know, you just never get over that climax hill, you know, watching. Yeah. Yeah, o- yeah. Overall, I'd give the entire anthology a three out of five. Mm-hmm. Um, two of those points are exclusive because the last two. Yeah. Um, it's 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 fine. Uh, um, it's worth worth your time if you don't. I think it's worth your time if you skip the bad ones. I think if, if it's you, a perfect. If you just jump to the end, it just watch watch this just for Helen Beck. You know what? I think the best way to put it, I give it two out of five as an overall rating. But I mm-hmm. think the best way you should say it is if you're folding laundry and you're you need something in the background playing, this is one. And you can yeah. like if you know the story is not paying attention, it's probably not going to get your attention anyways. So you might as well wait till the next story comes along and then go go with your yeah, judgment. True. That. Yeah. yeah, I would I, if I if I were you, I'd just go watch Hilarious. It's a much better anthology, <laughs> um, and it's got Lunch Ladies and Killer Cart in it, which are two of the greatest horror shorts I've ever seen in my life. Or rewatch um, ABCs of Death One and Two. Yeah, oh yeah, or ABCs of Death One yeah. and Two. Um, but now okay, uh, let's, let's briefly, go. I want to briefly talk about Deadstream because we got, we still, we still have to dive into the music box of horror and we're yep. almost an hour in. Um, <laughs> so if you're here for that, it's coming soon. Um, uh, so Deadstream, you guys, you guys did a great job highlighting the movie. I think this was an incredible movie. It pulls off found footage beautifully. Well, yep. the character so, so incredibly represents, um what the youtube culture is like what the content creator character is like um and joseph winter's performance which he takes up 98 percent of this movie alone yes is incredible incredible effects yeah the effects look great everything in this movie is deliciously well done the set from front to back is beautiful um this movie is like an easily a four out of five um maybe even a 4.4.5 it's probably the best one of my favorite. It's the first time anyone's done this kind of supernatural, like fun 
horror of this like found footage nature that's been really entertaining it's like um, i said and, like, before, the world actually made sense everything in the movie made sense it's like i said before this is a, a tr- if you want to look at it one way one way of looking at it is or i should say one way looking at it is this is a fun tribute to yeah evil dead like sam Raimi. evil dead 2 evil, evil dead 2 yeah 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 like the comedy and everything like that it's it's just it's so perfect and you know it, it, the effects the things they had to do to make oh, it work yeah. like the magic it worked whatever he did yeah. it worked and and i can see he's def- and, and and mind you guys like this is an indie film and it's very oh, yeah. rare for an Hard indie film indie. to get yeah, and it's a shutter. Success. It's a shutter original, no less. Exactly, and it's um, oh man, like this film. I was just Matt and I were watching it, and I just can't stop giggling. His his yeah. his screams are just hilarious. Yeah, movie. and it's and like a make perfect sense. comedic, uh, what is it, comic relief moment every time he does mm-hmm. it through the whole film, just to ease attention a little bit. But it's really really well done. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, a great movie well worth your time Mm -hmm. uh four out of five so now jumping forward and diving into what is honestly the best horror festival in the world my favorite thing about october every single year besides my wedding anniversary is the music box of horrors this is my fourth year attending the music box of horrors and let me tell you this was a jam-packed and incredible year now monty knows a thing or two about some movie festivals and about the incredible uh ambience of a live crowd uh, and I think that is what sets Music Box of Horrors apart from any other horror experience in the world. Because here in Chicago, we have one of the best and most dedicated horror crowds full of some absolute lunatics who dive into some of the most insane, wacky, and fun movies of all time. And this year was no different. Now, this year opened with what I think has to be one of my favorite things to experience in live cinema. And I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to experience something like this, Monty, but I have in Toronto. There is uh, there's uh, the Toronto After Dark Film Festival that happens Ooh. after uh, TIFF, and I had the pleasure to go watch um, ABCs of Death. That was a long oh, time yeah. ago, but um, yeah, it's but been like a while crowd, for me to right? make too. Yeah, it's a live crowd. Everyone's in the theater. It's 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 like Toronto Film Fest, except only horror movies That's and a new and it, and new it, horror films that are coming out. Yeah, so. and I think I think being with a crowd really is what makes horror so incredible. I think just like when you like if you were if you saw Avengers Endgame in a full theater opening weekend, you had an undoubtedly better experience than any other weekend after that seeing that movie. Yeah, because the live crowd truly, truly makes it. And, and plus, on top of that, you're in you're in a crowd of, and I would use this term, family, like people yeah. that love movies just like us, and you oh, get yeah. to sit there and enjoy it with them. And, so, and Music yeah. Box of Horror is something special, too, because of the movies we actually get to watch. I wish I was um, in Chicago to we, go with you. We get, a, we get this, as they put it, you get the spookiest scares, the creepiest creature features, and the rare cult oddities. One thing that makes Music Box of Horrors so, so incredible is the dedication of the two men who run it 
They have gotten films from across the world. They have found, they have fought and found for 35 millimeter prints of nearly every single movie of our. Hello. Of the, th- Hello? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Of, you just of, of, of our, <laughs> of our 13 movies, um, not, uh, 10 of them are on, on beautiful original 35 millimeter prints. So like, and, is that like just a crazy marathon that you just, yeah. it just so, goes so, out yeah. one after the other. So right? for those who don't know the, the context, thank you, Monty. Yeah. The music box of horror is 24 hours of movie madness. It starts at 12 o'clock on Saturday and ends at 12 o'clock Sunday morning. The movies do not stop. The activities do not cease and there's vendors and amazing things. So I'm going to take you guys on a journey through my 24 hours there at the music box. Cause boy, I woke up at seven 30 in the morning on Saturday and was at the theater at 1130. And I did not leave that theater except to walk outside in the front to get fresh air until uh, 12, 15 the next day. Like there's, there's like breaks in between. I presume right? there's about five minutes between every movie. Oh, okay. Cool. There are no breaks. <laughs> oh, there are no breaks. Oh. Really? No, no. The longest break between a movie is like five minutes where they like set up and get the next movie's reels put into place for the 35 millimeter projector. Oh my gosh. All right. So yeah, right. It, there is no breaking here. This is a true endurance test and that's what makes it worth it. You can take breaks and I did. I There's a couple of movies I did miss and I'll briefly touch on those. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I was there for almost all of them. So we start with my favorite thing the music box of horror does every year above all else is the first movie is always a 1920s or 19 uh, early 1930s film that is a silent film accompanied by a live score with a live band performing an original score to the movie and they play right in front of you at the front this year for the second year running for me um this was a live score done by max mccarthy uh, who did an incredible uh, score last year for The Hand of Orlock, which was a deeply moody and dark but yet intense score completely done by Max so uh, by Max by himself. But this year, this year we opened with the 1925 classic uh, Marquesa in Hell. Now, Marquesa is a 27-film series. Um, that was starred by uh, the famous uh, legendary actor Bartolo Pignano, who took on the actual persona of this strongman character in the 1920s. So in the 1920s, um, before we got to like the sandals and swords, kind of like uh, Hercules films, mm-hmm. um, these in Italy were that, like uh, Mercese, or Mer- I-, I think I'm saying is like Mac. Macchese is this like strong traditional male Italian character who's like loving and sweet and caring. It's just kind of represents everything the Italian people wanted to like represent as like an idolized character like Hercules is in ancient times and, and became so now. But what you get in this movie is one, a absolutely beautiful 35 Mueller print that was flown in from Italy about a day before the festival started. Um, it, the originally the movie is about Marchese, the strong man battling against Satan and the, the powers of hell as they try to, uh, capture the souls of the people in the world. And this movie was famous is famous in Italy because when it came out, the Italian government told them the movie has too much Satan 
and it had too much sex. <laughs> uh, and so all the director did was go through and change the name of Satan to Pluto mm-hmm. and left in all of the sex and nudity and they let it through. <laughs> you know what? I've seen clips of this film and I hear that the special effects are freaking amazing for its yeah. time. Oh, it, the special <laughs> effects are better than three out of the five movies from VHS 1999. <laughs> the the demons, the aesthetics of this movie are incredible. The set design is beautifully realized. It is like this like hyper surrealist descent into madness. Um, so I, I'm going to spoil these movies because they're old and they have really wild and cool plots. Um, so this movie opens with, with, uh, Marquese, our, our strongman, kicking a demon back to hell and then going back home to his town where he <laughs> like hangs out in his beautiful countryside home with a really hot neighbor that he's in love with oh. now, now, now he, and he's out there being chill and Satan or Pluto gets all upset about getting beat up by him so he sends a band of demons oh actually no so we meet the we meet satan and then we meet his wife who's introduced as being famous for cuckolding satan mm-hmm. um who is who is trying to seduce this this like barren demon who then gets sent to earth to try to seduce all of the people in Marquesa's village and bring souls back to hell oh, wow. um which is really beautiful uh, eventually they, they start to try to coerce and capture, um, Marquesa's girlfriend because he's able to fend off the powers of Satan. Um, she, she ends up like getting pregnant by some like traveler guy. And then Marquesa throughout the movie beats this dude up for being an absentee <laughs> father. And he's like, how dare you not love your child? Um, and then, but because he, uh, because he turns to violence against this guy, he gets taken to hell. Mm-hmm. When he gets to hell, he but he's taken there as a mortal man, so yeah. he can't be trapped in hell unless he kisses a she demon, um, and you like, and then he does, and he turns, and he just like, oh yeah, for about fifteen minutes, Marquesi's um, such a Chad, he just wanders around hell. <laughs> he's just, he's just like, fuck you, Satan. He beats up a bunch of demons and then just wanders around, just oh, like looking at God. shit in hell. But like the the hell is incredibly well done. Yeah. Um. It's fully realized. The demons again look amazing. There's a massive cast. Um. Mm-hmm. There's a beautifully done decapitation and an undecapitation, which oh. is great. Um. Uh, one of the coolest things in the whole movie, the coolest effects, is at one point, um, one of the other uh demons in hell is trying to help, um, or say get back to earth to the girl that he loves and to like the everything. And so she's helping him and they're flying across hell and they get on a giant, massive dragon that is a full practical effect. I think everyone has seen a picture of at some point. Um, I'll make sure to include a photo of that dragon in our Instagram post for this week. But it is genuinely one of the coolest special effects I've seen, especially out of a movie from the 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, he eventually... Uh, okay, so this, this is where it gets fucking wild. So he... The, the demon who went and got Marquesa gets cuckolded by Marquesa because he tries to go and fuck the uh, Satan's wife, who is the the <laughs> woman who seduced Marquesa into staying in hell. Okay. So they're fucking, and he gets mad, so he tries to lead a revolution against Satan. So he, <laughs> in he, hell. So, in hell, yeah, yeah. So this demon, this, this baron who's been around the movie the whole time, amasses a giant army of, like, imps and demons, and they start attacking Satan. 
or mm-hmm. Pluto. And Pluto's getting the <laughs> shit kicked out of him, like his army is. Until, and I shit you not, on screen, it says, Marquesa enters the battlefield. <laughs> and he goes out and he starts just decking and killing tons of zo- of tens of demons. He nice. and he literally clears the entire battlefield by himself because as we learn, the strength of his arms was improved by 10 times when he became a demon. Oh. Cuz demon Marquese is more powerful than regular Marquese. Okay, okay. Um, so he beats up all the demons and as his gift for saving hell for Satan, <laughs> which is which I think is why the Italian government got upset cuz he literally really? saves yeah, the character actively works with Satan. I to thought save he was hell. supposed to like kill Satan or something like that. But. No, they just chill. He kills another demon. Okay. Satan's just like, "Thanks, bro. What do you want?" And he's like, "Send me back to Earth so I can hang out with the chick." And he's like, "Satan's like, all right, peace out." <laughs> um, so he turns him back into a human. But as he's trying to leave hell, the uh, the scorned demon mistress attacks him mm-hmm. and captures him in hell. And then oh. years passed as he rots away in hell, um, chained to the side of a walk as a, uh, by the revenge of love until, until years later on Christmas day, the son of the woman that Marquese loves, who now has a father because Marquese beat his dad up into becoming a good dad mm-hmm. is, is, Oh, I think Taryn just got home. Um, yeah. one second. The dogs are crazy. <laughs> no i don't hear them so yeah keep going oh, no, I, I can okay yeah. so uh he he descends into hell and it's not until christmas day when marquesa's uh like not son but the son that he could have had decides to pray for him on christmas night and it the purity of a child's prayer on christmas saves releases it. him from hell oh wow. and he returns back to make 17 more movies nice now that 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 alone is crazy, right? Yeah. But what made this movie was that Max McCarthy was not alone this year for his score. He was accompanied by a full four-piece band who had a a bass player, a full drummer, a Saxon woodwind player and him on guitar and piano, and they did a full heavy metal score for the movie. Oh, nice. It was metal as fuck. It was loud, it was raucous, it was intense. It was genuinely like this really chaotic narrative black metal doom metal-esque performance interspersed with just beautiful woodwind accompaniment that would normally accompany a film like this and let me tell you, this is a movie to seek out. If you can find somehow find Max McCarthy's original score for it, I highly recommend it. I know, I think, I believe they recorded it. Um, this movie is also really good, beautifully shot as like a piece of film history, especially Italian film history. Well, with your time. Nice. Now, now we jump forward to my first break in the evening because I got out of line to go get a tattoo. Now okay. I waited. Because they have, we there's always a tattoo artist at the Music Box of Horrors, and I like every year I get one as a way of remembering and honoring the journey. Yeah. So I missed the famous 1955 movie, The Night of the Hunter, okay. um, which I didn't watch, so I don't have anything to say about it, but I know it's really good. And uh, I went and got Subway afterwards, and it was delicious. <laughs> but the 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 Subway, I, I wrote in my notes that was the that was the surliest Subway person I've ever met. Uh, she was she really did not want to be at work um and but then i got back in time for what was 
one of my most anticipated movies of the year of, of the whole festival because I love 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 it is nine whoop, is 1988 1988's Hellbound Hellraiser 2 one of the most incredible in my opinion horror sequels of the slashers 80s era um and it was it was released exactly just a year after uh Clive Barker's writing and directing of the original um, this one was directed by uh, Tony Randall and Peter Atkins, um, reprising the roles of of Pinhead as Doug Bradley and reprising Chrissy is uh, Ashley Lawrence. As the movie starts exactly, it is a direct sequel yep. um, of the original. And to some, some will say, including one of the hosts of the Music Books of Horror, saying that he believes this one actually surpasses the quality of the original but I, what i think this movie does is it does exactly what a horror sequel of this nature needs so hellraiser to me is a movie that's very difficult to make a sequel of because of the nature of the film the the strangeness the demons it's like either you go full nightmare on elm street and just do like a blatant remake where you just do the same movie again like you do with friday the 13th or uh nightmare on elm street or halloween where it's just the same thing with different slightly different contexts and new characters this one hellbound really profoundly expands yes. the uh the world it dives into a more fantasy end it gets a little bit away from like the in the goopiness of the first movie but in a lot of ways actually ramps up the horror and the punishment and the evil of the Cenobites and I mean this of all the movies that deserve attention from this year's music box of horror this movie deserves the least because it's got the most already you know Um, what I have to say if you watch one and two together back to back it's actually a good entire film like it all it's a perfect one and you know one complete film yeah. I, yeah, and and, and it and if you include Hellworld in there, which this movie does set up, it does a good job of kind of giving you just yeah, like a one, two, three. It's a perfect. Yeah. But this really one and two, I think together are the best. I would say across of across all of horror franchises, yeah. um, the best one two punch. Yes. Now I, I think I think like Fr- Nightmare on Elm Street has better sequels than um, Hellbound. But when it comes to the first movie following into the second one, this one is incredible. Yeah. Um. I, I, I don't want to spend too much time on Hellbound because this movie's got plenty of attention. And we talked about it enough too. So. Yeah. yeah. So so Hellbound's great. Go watch Hellbound. It was I've ne- I haven't seen it with a crowd. Um. The thirty five millimeter print was beautiful. Uh. The colors, the sound, incredible, blasting. Now, let's get in to arguably one of the most I don't want to say important, uh, but one of the most tremendous movies of the entire weekend. My probably the biggest surprise, maybe number one or number two for biggest surprise, and arguably I would say my film of a film of the entire fest. But that's that's tied up with a, a movie we're going to talk about a little later. This is Computer Hearts, the mm. 2015 uh, film at the time released by a uh, by Hente a Hente cop film which at the time was the alias of director um Luis we- uh Ward and it was co-directed by Luis Ward and Donnie Charlie Copland this it was the world theatrical premiere of this movie mm. so it was originally released in 2015 um basically completely to the underground 
Um, and this movie was the crafting art of a burgeoning young body horror director. Um, uh, and okay. she she came into the industry hoping to begin work on what would be the next great body horror film. And uh, this is the description given by Music Box. They do a great job. Over the course of two years, with the assistance of her directing partner, um, Diane Charlie Coughlin, and dozens of friends, Luis was able to conf- complete the film which she wrote, directed, produced, and starred in. Now, this is a hyperkinetic, gender dysphoria, techno-erotica, Freudian sexual derailment of electro-cyber nightmare. It is a movie about a couple who have you mind just real quick have you heard of this movie at all no i, I but okay. since you mentioned it when you were at the festival i was it, I, it actually intrigued me to look into it so this is yeah. this is well worth looking into um it's a movie that if you start watching please do not stop give yourself the full experience um it's a movie about a a couple who are at great odds because one of the members of the couple is deeply invested into a computer relationship they have with an with a an online AI semi sentient AI thing, and it represents this this dysphoria and this dysfunction between the movies as the one character feels like she's being uh, as they it feels like they are being replaced by another by another person, which is this okay. computer. Um, and this, the movie, I really, I want to talk everything about this movie, but I really do not want to give it away. Cause this is a movie that everyone genuinely needs to see. Um, but what, what happens is the man and the computer of the film begin to merge mm. and you get this horrific eraser head, the fly to transformation. Of this I was going to say, yeah, it sounds like a, a Kubrick film. It, it, it yeah kubrick yeah. It, it they slowly become um this disturbing erotic amalgamation of flesh and computer with some of the most incredible effects and probably the greatest prosthetic vagina ever put to film <laughs> um it's All a right. foot high and it is it, it it's made out of the computer and it it represents this like crazy and intense dysphoria. And what, what came out after the movie was an incredible Q and a with the two directors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, they really gave a beautiful lens into how much this movie was like an expression of their own internal, uh, internal, um, internal turmoil. Um, everyone involved in the acting of the film or in the film has transitioned since the film. Uh, and so when you watch the movie with this uh, this trans mindset that you know, the directors provided, you could sense as you're watching it. But until you until I got to hear from Luis and Char and uh, D- uh, uh, Diane Charlie, um, you I didn't fully grasp it. And it, it comes through so incredibly and uh, so incredibly cathartic from the filmmaking standpoint. Um, at one point, the 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 main character cuts cuts off and mutilates their own penis, um, which was a direct <laughs> representation of the dis, uh, of what the act the the director was actually feeling. And oh, uh, it turns okay. out uh, uh, the director uh, Luis is famous for at this year's Fantastic Fest doing a giant mashup or like mixtape of all of the famous dick mutilation scenes from across cinema. 
um, which was like an hour and a half long, like music video of dick mutilation across cinema. <laughs> um, right. Apparently, and another really fun thing that was that was revealed from the um, uh, uh, from the directors was that part of the reason this movie has such incredible and convincing and beautiful set design is because she was uh, on a film set as like an AD helping um, this famous uh, uh, makeup artist whose name I meant to look up and I feel terrible for not doing so. Give me one second. Is she from the movie or? Uh, no, the the person who did the, the effects, like the makeup and the art okay. is a well-known um, person. Oh, uh, I think it's uh, Chris Craig. Chris Craig. All right. All right. Well, yeah. Okay. Is it? Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, the movie. Okay. So the movie has incredible effects and I'll find out who the effects person was and post it later. Right. Um, but they got, they got their role in the movie because um, our direct, our, our co-director, uh, Luis, were a uh, word weird. I don't know how to say their name. Um, was a, an AD on a film. And as she was helping the production of this horror, this like, gross distended body horror film uh she asked the they, they well they they asked this uh the uh designer to come make a foot tall vagina for their movie out of a computer <laughs> and i mean i don't know what kind of integrity you need to have to to ever be able to say no to that but this person didn't have it they had the exact perfect mindset and said fuck yeah and dove in um <laughs> I genuinely think this movie, kind of like how we talked about with the Gems Fest, is something that's really important to see because, again, this was the world theatrical premiere. This is a movie that could have been lost to time, um, and it should never be lost. It is such an incredible piece of American cinema. Uh, it, it's an incredible addition to the mo to body horror, to this like transformation that characters go through it, it it captures it so beautifully it's so intense this is a movie i desperately want to shock people with um and it really it pushes your boundaries and i think that's what's great about it um Damn, I, I really want to find it now Jeez. yeah you need you need to find it if you find it i will make you and ben and i will watch it and we'll do another deep dive into this all right, i also right. want to dive into the rest of the production crew um so Luis and um, Donnie currently have a group called uh, Cybercraft uh, Cybercraft Video, and you can find them on Instagram and their own website, uh, where they have some incredible other features that were talked and lauded about by some of the hosts of the Music Box. So those are something we're going to have to dive in into the future. Um, but I highly recommend everyone go and look out, try to find Computer Hearts. It's on the internet somewhere. You'll find it. Uh, highly recommend it and shout out to the co-directors for an amazing q a after your speech and on oh, the next one. interesting i just found out that it was an indiegogo crowdfunded film oh cool i didn't yeah they yeah. didn't talk about that during the during the movie that's really cool all right all right yeah. <clears throat> all right so next next we took a very very fucking different vibe um the next movie on our docket, which, you know, flowing into it from Computer Hearts, which was this like cyber grind, um, cyberpunk dysphoria insanity, we dove into the 1974 Italian classic Blood for Dracula. 
Um, which, uh, Monty, have you ever heard of the actor uh, Udo Kier? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So he was in Blade, wasn't he? Yes, he is. He is in Blade. <laughs> he he actually. Okay, so Udo Kier was there to give a Q and A after the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about that. But he actually didn't know they were showing Blade. Oh. <laughs> and was like, "Holy shit, you guys are showing Blade too!" And was like really excited. <laughs> nice. Um, but I'll 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 read the music box's description here because they capture the 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 summation of the film super well. Yeah. Um, yeah. This movie takes place, was filmed immediately after filming Flesh for Frankenstein, which is another Paul Morrissey film and another film that also stars Udo Kier, who played uh, played Frankenstein in that movie. In this movie, he plays Dracula, Mm -hmm. a um, suspicious, depraved Euro shocker that toes the line between art and bad taste, thoughtfully incentive provocation and exploitation indulgence. There's portions of this movie that are hard to watch if you are squeamish at all about that kind of exploitation, sexploitation from the seventies. Cause it really has some of that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's intent that that's for me, not from the music box. That's for me. Um, but it's genuinely hilarious because the, uh, the titular Dracula is desperate for virgin blood. Uh, and it's, and it's the performance by Kier is extremely melodramatic and over the top. And he has a thick German accent <laughs> the whole time he's playing the Romanian Dracula. And so him and his valet, uh, travel to Italy because Italians are strong Catholics and would have virgin daughters, um, <laughs> where they stay at a, uh, a fight, a falling aristocrats mansion or villa. Uh, and their family's three young daughters who are being coveted uh, by uh, Udo Kier as Dracula for their virgin blood, if they really are virgins. Um, while the estate's monstrous Marcus, uh, Marxist malcontent, who's played by Joe D'Alessandro, who was also in Morrissey's Flesh, Trash, and Heat, um, mm. is a like the handyman who works for the family and has sex with the and says sex and actually like physically abuses and rapes the women in the movie and talks it's really just some of the scenes are like oh fuck you did not just say that um but he also spends the entire movie uh promoting marxism and talking about the fall of the bourgeoisie and how all of the rich people are going to be supplanted by the working man um it is this is one of the most outrageous and crazy uh vampire films in history um this is a beautiful beautiful restoration um now scanned uncut in 4k from the original negatives for the first time ever Mm. so this in a sense was the first time this screening was ever seen um uh this is actually a win at andy warhol movie um, Andy Warhol was the one who like produced and made this movie happen. That and explains on, a lot though. Yeah, it's that Andy Warhol's Blood for Dracula, direct a film by Paul Morrissey. <laughs> um, which is incredible, which is part of why Kier did it because he loves uh Andy Warhol. Yeah, yeah. Um we got an absolutely after the movie, so this movie was wild, it was, inc- it was crazy. He tries to have sex and drink the blood of all the people. He's sickly and weak and Kier gives what is genuinely the greatest Dracula performance in history. Nosferatu eat his heart out. Kier <laughs> above all. Um, not not to mention that um, Kier was sitting maybe five seats away from me. 
Nice. Um, with either his like assistant or yeah, with like I believe his assistant, and watching him watch the movie. Oh, so he actually stayed. He he sat front row five. I sat front row center, and he was five seats away from me. Yeah. And this was the first time in thirty five years he got to see the movie with the crowd. Oh, nice. And and it was it was moving to me watching him get to experience the tremendous joy and passion and genuine reactions that his performance provided. Like mm. I could see him like genuinely being moved by how invested the crowd was. Nice. They, you know, everyone was dying with laughter, uproarious screams, shock and awe, and he was taking it all in. And for an actor who's had nearly 200 roles across his career, yeah. is one of the greatest horror villain char- uh, character actors of all time, seeing someone like that be moved and transfixed by the beauty of both his performance but also the reactions of the crowd was one of the most incredible things I've seen. It's my favorite part of the music box of horror outside of the music um, is when I get to see directors or filmmakers get to see their movies loved and lavished with passion and joy. And that's what we got to see. And then we got the off the wall, absolutely incredible um, speech uh, Q and a with Kier afterwards um, where he just starts riffing for the entire time. Um, <laughs> the reason he got involved with Paul Morrissey, cause he was like hanging out on like at an air airport or something. And yeah. someone randomly approached him and was like, Hey, you want to be on a movie? <laughs> and he just said, fuck it. And said, sure. And then ended up in, Dra- in Frankenstein and Dracula. Um, nice. one of the quotes that I thought was really incredible, um, was from Kier was talking about why he plays villains. Mm-hmm. And as part of the description, he he was talking about how he's like a really nice, loving guy. Like he's yeah, like a really I cool, hear a lot of good things kind. about him too. He says yeah. he adopts dogs and is nice to people. Um, and he said that's why it lets him be a villain because he. And he said the de- uh, people often forget the devil was an angel who got bored of being good. Yeah, yeah. And that's that kind of good. represents his character. Hmm. Um. I'm trying, I'm taking a look at some of my, yeah. Uh, he was also really close to Roman Polanski and he shared a lot of stories about hanging out with Roman Polanski and Warhol and originally wasn't going to do the movie, but then got convinced to do it because Polanski was like, what the hell? How do you not do that movie? <laughs> um, in the original, in the original script for the film, Andy Warhol wanted his character to have a rock hard boner the whole movie. Um, and he was totally in for that, but the Italian government said no. Oh, um, that sucks. The, the, the movie, oh, this movie was uh, famous for just like with uh, Flesh for Frankenstein. It was made entirely in three weeks and for only $300,000. And even back in the 70s, and even back in the 70s, it's not a lot of money. Yeah. Um, a, lo- a lot of the movie and some of the scenes were completely improvised because the because uh, Paul Morrissey and Udo and some of the other actors really never talked to each other before the movie was made. <laughs> um, they didn't know the ending about halfway through the movie and weren't sure where they were going to go. Um, and yeah, Udo, Udo talked about how he never went to acting school because he just has talent. um another movie yeah it's awesome it totally (laughs) totally was awesome another movie that he was famous for uh for doing a movie called spermula uh (laughs) which is like dracula but you got to suck their dicks (laughs) um 
which is a movie I, I have to see. Um, uh, it's like a, I think it's a Jodorowsky movie or Jodorowsky convinced Kier to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you know, him, Jodorowsky and Kier were staying at the same hotel, which is how Kier found out about Spermula. <laughs> um, yeah. And so there's a whole bunch of else. I mean, the, I got to talk to Udo afterwards cause I, was, I had to step out of his dialogue during, uh, during his Q and A and I felt terrible about it. So I went and saw him afterwards and got to share a few words with a genuinely incredible, kind and wonderful person. Nice. Um, nice. then, then it was time for another short break. I got, I got tattooed. Um, again, I got mm-hmm. I got some food and I skipped the uh, the majority of a movie called The Devil Times Five, which I believe is still on Shutter and I highly recommend everyone go and see because it's a movie about five psychotic children whose uh, bus taking them to an asylum breaks down in the middle of a snowstorm and a family takes them in and they systematically murder everybody. Oh um, my god! The like ten minutes of this movie I watched were fucking awesome, so go check <laughs> it out. But from there, we get to another movie that does not need a ton of description, a ton of time to be talked about because it's a classic. It's arguably the greatest Marvel movie ever made. It's our, arguably one of the best comic book movies ever presented. It is 1998's Blade, starring Wesley Snipes, directed by Stephen Norrington, and written by David S. Goyer. What a fucking movie. Monty, I know you know this movie. Tell us about Blade. Well, Blade, comic book come to life, martial artist, uh, daywalker, whatever you want to call him. Wesley Snipes definitely put this character in in full justice. Uh, You know, I know they're making a new Blade film. I know recent news. Yeah, and I know that there's some um, production issues right now because the director walked off on set so oh, god damn it no or, yeah so that that film they're kind of concerned about it being delayed but he marsha ali definitely have large shoes to fill oh Jeez. yeah because yeah, come on wesley snipes martial artist afro-american like perfect casting yeah it was this is the greatest <clears throat> casting in, in comedy this is this is on the same tier as robert downey jr's iron man exactly and and how it is cast and how the story is told i'm i'm not sure have you ever do you own this one on on dvd yeah on i own i own all three on dvd did you watch the the behind the scenes of how what he was originally supposed to fight is this giant glob oh yeah the original cgi yeah it was so terrible and i'm glad they actually kept it the same and i think this is one of the the early films that david s goyer wrote he did and and he and he did the movie we just we just talked about hellraiser he was the yeah uh director of how he also did a couple episodes of sandman which was incredible yeah, and, and correction, guys, is the the new Hell, the 2022 Hellraiser. He, yeah, he, he was wrote of, the he most wrote recent one. one. And he did an awesome job. And let's not forget the Dark Knight trilogy. He mm-hmm. helped out with yep. that. He also did um, Man of Steel. He, yeah. He, he should be punished for the rest of his life for, for writing for the TV show Da Vinci's Demons. And um, He I wrote one of my favorite 80, 90s movies, too, Dark City, which is another conversation. Oh, that was good. That, we we got to gotta watch that again and, and yeah. talk about it. But yeah, Dark City you know and what? City of Lost Children. Yeah, like, and, and you know what? He's been on a roll lately. If yeah. you follow his film, he wrote another, before Hellraiser, there was another film, and I'm not sure if you watched it, Matt, called antlers 
No, if I haven't you, seen Antlers. Oh my god. If you have a chance, check it out. It's about okay. the, the Skinwalker myth. Uh, oh, cool. You know, so it's really, really good. It caught me off guard. I thought it was... I thought it was going to be eh, but then when I actually got sat down and watched it, I'm like, oh, I love the whole Skinwalker lore, yeah. the, the stuff like that. So definitely check it out. But have, going back to I, what you're saying, David S. Warrior has been putting out really good films, uh, and he's writing been putting really good out, films. And he, and he is a master of the comic book film. He also wrote the TV movie for Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is the <laughs> David Hasselhoff shield movie which is fucking awesome if you haven't seen it it's terrible but it's a great movie at the same time um yeah yeah. so i mean it's 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 fucking blade blade's awesome it's it should be considered one of the most important comic book movies ever made it was the first great comic book movie and all other comic book movies are just trying to be as good as blade i have to put one more thing out there for from this film is the best introductory scene story. shot no like i'm talking about the the whole oh, first, yeah. the scene oh. of introducing the character like coming in and just like yeah. obliterating oh. everyone is just amazing so yeah right. anyway so okay, we can so now now on to the next movie we're deep into this episode yeah. uh now our this is i think and it's hard to say i think this is my movie of the fest okay um i think this was a true fucking joy and find for me. This is a movie that, like Computer Hearts, I want everyone in the goddamn world to watch, and especially you, Monty. Um, this is our Asian film, so some Asian flavor yeah. um, for for the evening. This is Twilight Syndrome's Dead Go Round. Uh, ridiculous title. Um, it, the movie has a better name for itself in the movie, which I don't know if I wrote down. Um <laughs> Oh, let me check. Hold on. Let me, let me check my but I have to say, I I have to give this film another shot. Uh, the first time I tried to sit through it, it was really, really, really. It oh, didn't so you, capture me. You know Twilight Syndrome. Yeah, I know about. Okay. Twilight. Oh, okay. Oh, sweet. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you. I assume you were. If all the people had seen this, you would have been the one. Yeah. Um This is a hundred and eleven. This is an hour and eleven minutes of pure power. Seventy-one minutes of joy. Um, so this movie is about, uh, five video game champions have been summoned to a mysterious amusement park. They're greeted by a host who acts like a coked out dollar store mutation of Krusty the Clown and Pee Wee Herman. And the <laughs> teens are presented with a game, complete physical challenges, collect hidden Game Boy cartridges and advance to the next round or die. It's uh, like each... pre hunger games. <laughs> oh yeah. This is, this is incredible. This, it does the like everyone's fighting for their life like most dangerous game things so well um yeah then players encounter ever escalating onslaught of surreal threats including killer eggs that are the size of a prius possessed crossbows and haunted rubber horses that fill people with water and make them burst like looney tunes cartoons this movie is incredible it's it's barely held together it's barely executed but it is so well done um i think it is everything it needs to be in more some of the most disturbing clown performances i've ever seen put to film um mari asto who directed and wrote the movie and uh um isn't in it but mara who directed and wrote the movie does an incredible job of capturing this video game world and similar to like in the mouth of madness 
This movie presents itself as a total beautiful picture where the world is the game itself and you cannot escape, which to me is one of the coolest aspects of the thing. Uh, this movie is ha- ha- nightmare inducing if you don't like clowns. Um, they they have this bit throughout the movie where the main the main evil clown is believed to be the one who's running the whole thing. And at one point, they kill the clown just for it to be replaced by an identical clown. And one of the most disturbing things I saw this entire festival, I literally went, "Holy shit, no!" Um, when that other another clown came out, uh, Monty, you you sincerely need to go and find and watch this movies again. Yeah, um, I tried so to watch it back when it came out, but it was just like maybe at the time I watched it, I was so numbed with because it did came out during the the, the Japanese horror hype and a yeah, it's lot a two, of because yeah. it was a two thousand eight film, yeah, it was produced yeah. in two thousand eight, and it's also based off a video game. Um, of the same name, so it's interesting. And it is based off a video game of the same name, even within the movie. I know it's a perfect film. I have to really, yeah, I have to give it another watch. But yeah, I'm sure is, it's 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 yeah, we we can do it. We can do this, it together. This is one you need to go and find. I, I want to read the quote that's from uh, Bleeding Skull that they included here, just to give you a taste of how incredible this movie is. Although the movie looks like it's held together or sometimes not held together by duct tape. Mm-hmm. Astos doesn't let a choppy script or inconsistent pacing impact her confidence. She's all in. You can see it in the unreal green screen effects, face explosion, cosmic black holes, <laughs> landscape renderings by a pointillism filter in MS Paint. You can feel it when the film shifts from day- daylight to moonlight and the hellish clowns appear. Just like the real-life nightmares, the characters are faced with a distressing situation they can't control. There's no escape. The fact that Astro enables us to relate to those feelings with such limited resources is a true accomplishment. And I couldn't say it better. This is a movie that truly understands pacing. Um, mm-hmm. I could see this movie being in a anthology like we watched earlier and being too short. Yeah. And this movie is exactly as long as it needs to be, just like with uh, Computer Hearts or Blood for Dracula, where it's, I, it's perfectly situated to be wonderful. Yeah. Um, and it pulls okay. it off. So I really recommend you guys go and check this out. And when when I get Monty and Ben to watch it, um, we'll give it an even more thorough review. Same with Computer Hearts. All right. Um, all right. And now, now we're going back. We're going back to movies that... We're taking it back. <laughs> taking it back. Now this this goes back to a it's one of the few times that a largely forgotten movie that's played at the music box is one I actually have saw before music box, which is a movie I'm not sure if you've ever seen Monty 1999's Idle Hands. Yeah, have you seen I watched Idle it. Hands? Yeah, Jessica Ooh. Alba, Devin Sawa, yeah. Seth Green. What do yeah. What do you think about Idle Hands? I actually thought it was a fun movie. Okay, and good. I I, I adore it. this film. Yeah. Um, this movie uh, yeah. was a massive flop. Um, it, it was made for $24 million and it made four. Um, oh my God, big, really? I did not yeah, know the budget. A, a big a big part, well, which is why it has such good music and, sh- and was set up. The way this movie is presented as a 90s movie, when you watch it, it seemed, when, you're, when you're watching, it seems like a fucking hit. You know, it seems like a movie 
that would have smashed in the 90s and like taken over the entire mainstream right mm-hmm. um but what happened was unfortunately in the ni- in 1999 um america experienced an event called columbine and oh, making a movie no. about a bunch of dead teenagers and killer teenagers in school yeah was a very bad timing situation for idle hands yeah um idle hands is just a great movie i think um it's 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 one of my favorite 90s horror comedies um i think it has an incredible class with devin swansa seth green eldon henson as you mentioned jessica alba um as a demonic force possesses the hands of this man's life and turns him in to a serial killer um this movie is surreal it's like true urban fantasy uh his friends uh uh pud pud and mick get murdered by his evil hand Uh, but they're such lazy stoners that as they're walking towards the the light at the end of the tunnel they get (laughs) bored and walk back into their bodies and become wise quacking weed smoking uh zombies (laughs) um who help anton out throughout the rest of the movie and it's just like a really good fun time like there's not too much going on in this movie um, except all of the radness that is this movie. It was the perfect 3 a.m. movie because, boy, did it wake me the fuck up. Um, <laughs> I had an incredible time. I, I, I genuinely highly recommend this movie. Again, there's not too much to say about it because it's just poppy horror, good comedy fun. Um, but if you haven't seen Idle Hands, go check it out. It's a great watch. Um, it's a great movie night movie. If you got a bunch of friends over and you guys are – uh, getting inebriated with one another this is one i highly recommend and now we get into the dark dark of the of the night this is the 435 movie the killing of satan which is a <laughs> famous filipino horror movie um this is the only known 35 millimeter print in existence Oh my gosh. Um, Are you serious? No this other, looks very interesting, actually. No other print of this movie exists anywhere. Um, it was provided and co-presented by the Chicago Cinema Society. Um, and I'm going to read the description of the movie because I will I will admit, I tried really hard to watch this movie. Oh, it was no. five in the morning and I fell asleep. Oh, um, was it good though? Hey, up until I fell asleep, it was great. Oh, it was okay. really cool. So I'll read the description. I took quite a bit of notes of it because I stayed awake for the first like 10 minutes, first like mm-hmm. 20 minutes, and then I died. Um, uh. So this, is, so the description here is incredible. Move over, Jesus. Lando <laughs> San Miguel saves. The Killing of <laughs> Satan is a Filipino horror movie that tells the age-old tale of God versus Satan. That is, if God was a diminutive man named Lando who wore a jean jacket and Chuck Taylors and Satan was an even more diminutive man with a plastic red pit fork and a goatee. Uh, like all genre films from the Philippines, this one throws logic, sanity, and proper filmmaking technique out the window. In their place, we get laser battles, manimals, zombies, sex, face mutilation. It's a psychedelic <laughs> blast of gory absurdity an epic adult-only comic book filled with dead serious emotions and dead serious hilarity, all in the name of God's revenge. Um, and Damn, it does capture that's a movie. badass t- uh, uh, description. <laughs> yeah, this is one I'm going to have to find a copy, of, a digital copy of to watch again. Um, 
It was wild. I, I mean, it was it was a ridiculous. I was this this it, like it seems like a movie that would be made in Mexico for like a hundred dollars. Um, but it's, it's really made cool. in Philippines, I, right? Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a Philippine. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's wearing sandals the whole movie. Um, and goddamn, I love it. Uh, All right. By, the, by about fifteen minutes in, I was like, my brain turned to mush, and I felt, and I was like in and out of consciousness. But every portion of it that I was awake for was fucking awesome. Um, oh, and it's okay. it's a legendary movie. So really, go and check check this out if you can. Um, I no one probably no one in the world's gonna get be able to see. The 35. Oh yeah, I have to say the movie is is it was was filmed in Filipino, uh, dubbed in English, and had Spanish subtitles because that's the only version of the movie that exists. Oh man, <laughs> so it's like a rare gem, man. True gem. It was. I mean, like I feel terrible. I fell asleep, but I was there for it, um, and it was really cool. Um, and next, next, which is a movie I did actually watch all of because I woke back up, um, is 1995's The Oracle. Um, which is 1985, a, 1985. Yeah, 1985. Yeah. 1985. Yeah. Um, this is the weird grimy world of Roberta Finley, who is a legendary porn, porn director, um, uh, <laughs> an exploitation mave and a 42nd street God. Uh, she's a one woman wonder grinding out sleazy classics like tenements and sex obsessed nightmares, like a woman's torment. She's a, uh she's photographed edited and directed this entire movie a it's a creepy soft focused tale of like spiritual possession it's a it's a classic plot um this movie this movie kind of represents what the next two does so the next two have this exact same are pretty much the same movie but with different storylines um both movies take an incredibly basic concept from horror this movie takes the concept of uh someone finds like a ouija board and it unleashes an evil force and that like kills everybody in the movie right Got easy it. straightforward like a woman a woman is taken over by hysteria like is believed to be hysterical and going crazy while she's actually reporting what's really going on as the ghosts slowly gain power and kill people it's we've seen it a cliche. million times yeah yeah very yeah. cliche um but the movie is um incredibly concise it gets in it gets out it's only 94 minutes long and it tells just a perfect kind of argento style like dario argento style supernatural movie um it's 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 is it simple. an american it's film great. or um yeah it is USA. yeah it's, yeah oh, yeah okay so she, she's an american director it's in english it's really cool um and it's like it has great this one has great music because it's like lo-fi synthesizer music which i'm I'm a huge fan of uh it's like it has like some like good christian vibes <laughs> um and it's just like a fun good cliche um sleaze fest you know like an 80s sleazy horror film with boobs and f- a good time right. um and the next movie <laughs> is that but ramped up to 10 um this is the 1988 flesh eater if you look at the poster for Flesh Eater, you're going to know exactly what you're in for. This is a movie that has no plot. Um, it, this movie exists purely to kill people and to watch them then get killed. Um, a group of kids go out into the woods to have like a party. Uh, a, a miserly old man unburies a demonic seal in the ground and decides to dig up a casket that's covered in satanic marking. Uh, and then a zombie comes out and slowly infects <laughs> and then everyone gets killed as the movie goes on. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's it. 
That's the whole movie. Did you watch the whole film? Oh, week? I watched. Yeah, I, I sat through all 98, 88 minutes of zombies walking around and mutilating kids. Um, That's it. There's no heroes. No. Like no really, no. <laughs> like like so the so there's the group of kids, right? There's like there's like four couples. They're out in the woods. So the yeah. old guy gets killed, and then slowly they get killed. Most of the group of people get killed by the zombies. Most a bunch of them run away. They end up in a house, and then there's three couples left. And then one couple gets locked out of the house by one of the other couples because he's an asshole. So they just go and hide in the basement. While they're hiding in the basement, everyone upstairs gets killed. <laughs> and then all those zombies go and start attacking other people at other parties across the countryside of this random town. <laughs> and they literally just go scene by scene. And clearly the, the director, uh, uh, S William Hisman hates people who are annoying at parties yeah. because it just goes scene from scene from all these like douchey dudes at parties who then just get murdered by zombies. And that's <laughs> fucking awesome. And that's it. That's the whole fucking movie. And then and then occasionally this these two people who hid in the basement show up where the next group of people are getting murdered and just hide. Uh, and oh. then eventually and then eventually all of the um it, like everyone dies basically. You see mm -hmm. a whole family get killed at a house trick or treating. Three <laughs> or four different parties get killed. A bunch of people in the uh in the woods get killed. The zombies look exactly like the zombies from Night of Living Dead. Um, well, the director is the played the first uh, zombie in um, yeah. Night of the Living Dead. George A. Romero's uh, Night yeah. of the Living Dead. Yeah, and like Flesh Eaters and Flesh Eater, aka Revenge of the Living Dead, <laughs> uh, is a fitting tribute to Marsha Romero's chilling masterpiece. Yeah. Um, the the effects in this movie are incredible. Again, look much better than two out of the th two out of the five movies from VHS. <laughs> um, the zombies look better. If the zombies looked like this in in that stupid short, this movie that movie would have been better. Yeah. Um, but the the greatest part of this movie is that just like in Night of the Living Dead. After all of the everyone dies, it cuts to morning. Um, the town and all the country and good old boys all rise up and get their guns and go to wipe out the zombie threat, right? Yeah. So the the last 20 minutes of the last like 10, 15 minutes of the movie is just a montage of country bumpkins killing zombies <laughs> as they like slowly wander toward them because they're just like shitty night of living dead zombies. Yeah. And so they they're just slow know, zombies. Yeah, yeah, slow zombies. So they just walk around headshotting them throughout the end of the movie. Oh, um, that's it. Okay. Yeah, but but the the best part is the very end of the movie. The two characters who have decided <coughs> to hide and survive the night finally have this like emotional moment where they're like, "Look, I think we're gonna live. I love you. Let's go take a vacation. Let's get out of here." Right. So yeah. they, they, the gunshots have stopped. There's no more zombie noises and they get out. They come out of their hiding spot in the barn and they walk outside. And right as they walk out the doors, one of the hillbillers, oh no, two more. And headshots both of them. Clean. One, two. Kills both of them. And then, the, and then all the locals burn the barn down they were in. Oh my God. So and it's that's like a fucking a, movie. It's kind of like a, it sounds like it's a remake. It's it's Bill Hinsman's. Uh, it's his vision. homage. It's basically yeah. it's revenge. It, the movie was also known as Revenge of the Living Dead. Yeah. Okay. So it's his homage um, to the classic. I yeah, guess. and it's and it's his, um, it's his message. You know, his uh, 
his send off to uh, his swan to song. Romero. Yeah, yeah. his swan song, and yeah. it's like it, he called it flesh eater to make it different, and it's a tribute and homage to Romero's masterpiece. Yeah, um, yeah. the late eighty setting is just absolutely incredible. Um, if you want some low quality, high charm trash. This, this is, is true sleaze. This uh, is this is a great like if you're having like a movie night where everyone's like up for the sloshy slashiness, um, yeah. like sleaziness of the '80s. This is one that must be watched. Um, right. Now, that was at <laughs> at six in the morning or so, and now we finally get to 10 a.m. The final film of the night, and what has become a tradition at the Music Box of Horror is to end a, is end with like a child child friendly horror uh, classic and we get one of what i didn't realize was going to be such a deeply incredible uh, nostalgia trip for me was the 1991 disney halloween classic ernest scared stupid yeah. now Ma- monty do you know ernest do you know yeah. ernest p Werther? world is world, it yeah. Ernest P. World, right? Yeah. So, yeah, do you have do you have any connection to Ernest? Oh yeah, growing okay. up, I used to watch Ernest, and he has a tel- he had a television show on too. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, Jim Jim Varney was an incredible. He was like one oh, of the first viral a, stars. Yes, he's very talented. But there's a there's a great YouTube channel uh, YouTube video called the first viral star Jim Varney that we're coming up. Yeah, he's oh, I, yeah I he, he, he's my childhood. Yeah memory he's my peewee herman in a sense exactly Um, that's a good way but a better actor yeah much better uh and not as creepy um i loved all i loved ernest goes to camp i loved ernest goes to jail uh ernest saves christmas ernest goes to school i've never seen ernest goes to africa and i'm scared to watch it um (laughs) slam dunk ernest another classic but what what i thought was very very fun about this movie was so uh when when the guys at the music box wanted to get the uh, 35 millimeter print for this movie, um, it never had a theatrical run. So there's very few 35 millimeter prints of it, if any at all. Um, and the only people they had they knew who had it was Disney. So yeah. they had so they needed to book the movie from Disney. And when they reached out to Disney, the first thing Disney said was, "Why do you want to show this movie?" Oh like are you gosh. you really you really you actually want to show this movie <sighs> and so they were like disney was actively like what the fuck are you doing we're like no 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 we're booking it and then mm-hmm. so disney says hey um well the the print has been rated as a d which means it would look like garbage right you know like yeah. if you've seen d- like a d rated 35 yeah. millimeter print it's like yeah. warped it's you know the colors are off and like the guys of the music box will and the other and the other owner were like fuck this it's gonna be great we we don't they didn't believe and they didn't take their word and they got the print and it's beautiful it's like a b plus print um it's really pretty it's really nice seeing this in theaters and for those who haven't seen an earnest movie or earnest scared stupid this one tells the story of the lovable affable fool earnest as it turns out that the town he lives in was cursed by an evil troll who eats who eats the souls of children and tries to lead an uprising against the world um and he um and the the one of the most incredible things is that the effects for this movie were done by the Chicano brothers who are famous for doing all of the effects for killer clowns from outer space uh, oh. which is why the effects work in this movie are absolutely incredible a lot of puppeteering. 
Yeah, yeah beautiful so, yeah, puppeteering. Yeah. All the pra- all the costumes are completely practical. This movie puts any of the shitty um, half practical movies to shame because it looks incredible. Ernest is hilarious and a good time. Um, I don't know. This is just like one of those great over the top crazy uh, horror films. As uh, as uh, as Ernest has to defeat a group of trolls and learn that he has true childhood love in his heart. Um, as the guys from the music box said, uh, grab a frosty drug of, of Miak, kick back and prepare for nonstop rubber face slapstick, delirious mugging, colorful thrills, Eartha Kit, who is incredible in this movie, yep. and a total good time as these witches brews will tickle your tummy and bonk your noggin. And that brings us to the end of the music box of horrors. It was 24 hours of endurance, 24 hours of horror, and 24 hours with probably the greatest horror crowd, best cinema crowd in the world. Um, I will be there every single year. I hope one day you, Monty, and maybe Ben uh, can come and join me for for this deep dive. Uh, Because each year year only gets better, and they're not going to stop. Um, and they're not going to start get, stop getting truly unique movies. Um, at the end of this, I want to say a huge shout out to Music Box, to all the vendors, to all the staff, to all the people that made this this festival happen. Um, and one of the most important people, uh, important groups of people to, to say thank you to is Shutter. Shutter is a big reason why they're able to pull off this festival. Um, the Music Box regularly hosts and screens Shutter's films. And it's a relationship that I am indebted to because um, last year's Music Box of Horror, um, Shudder and a couple other brands were the reason I was able to get a ticket. Um, So big shout out to them. Big shout out to the Music Box and big shout out to live cinema because seeing things like this is what keeps incredible movies like Computer Heart, like Marquez and Hell, like Blood for Dracula, like Twilight Syndrome, like Idle Hands, like Killing of Satan. The Oracle Flesh Eaters, Ernest Scared Stupid Alive. Movies like Hellbound and Blade deserve to be seen in theaters, deserve to be seen with a crowd on big, bombastic 35mm prints. Um, but it's the small <laughs> movies um, that really deserve the love and affection. Um, getting to see um, Uta Kier talk about his film was heartwarming and incredible. Getting nice. to listen to uh, Luis Weird and Diane Charlie Coplin talk about um, the effort and the love and the passion that went to computer hearts was genuinely moving and getting to share in the tremendous live experience with all of the maniacs who made it for the full 24 hours, uh, <laughs> is incredible. If you're, if you're here from the festival and you made it the full 24 hours, you really are a true rock star. If you didn't make it the full 24, try harder next year. <laughs> well you almost didn't make it through so. i made it i even if you i don't get if you fall asleep in the theater that's fine but you don't fucking yeah. leave the theater yeah. you don't oh, go do back people to your, leave after you oh or? yeah some some bitches leave some people go some people buy a 24-hour ticket stay yeah. for the first like five movies and then go home and nap and come back for earnest at the end oh if so you, you can come back oh yeah you can leave yeah people yeah. can leave and they they do sell half marathons where you can show up at midnight so oh, some so okay. a portion of the crowd showed up just for Blade onward. Nice. Um, nice. But only the true champions, the true soldiers of they horror, do the make whole it from twelve thing. to twelve. I refuse <laughs> to do it any other way. All uh, right. It is it is the only way. I think it is an important part of the experience to get through the whole thing with the crowd, with the staff, and be there from beginning to end. That um, sounds so awesome, though. 
So please, if you were at the Music Box of Horror, please leave a comment on the Instagram post. Leave a review of the podcast. Let us know what you thought. Let let me know what your favorite films were. Um, If you know any movies that are like some of my favorites... Um, please let me know. Oh, and I'll give, I'll give my quick, my quick ratings real quick. So it's All official right. for fourth time's a charm. Um, I'll go in order. My cast, my cast in hell with the live performance by Max McCarthy, five out of five. Right. Um, Hellbound Hellraiser two solid four out of five. Great movie. Fun time. Computer hearts. It's a five out of five. It's 38 minutes and there's nothing else like it. Uh, blood for Dracula. Four out of five, it loses a point because of all the rape jokes and Marxism. Um, <laughs> Blade is fucking Blade. It gets Blade out of five. Yeah. Um, Twilight Centrum Dead Ground is a solid five out of five for me. I don't think it's a movie for everybody, but it was the perfect movie for me. Um, Idle Hands got a three and a half out of five last time. Great killing fun time. Um, killing a Satan. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a three out of five because I fell asleep. Um, the Oracle and Flesh Eater both get a solid three in it, three out of five because they're just sloppy, simplistic nothingness, and they're a great. They're great at six and eight in the morning. Um, and finally, and lastly, our Ernest Scared Stupid gets a four and a half out of five because it's my childhood. I love Ernest. It's one of the and best. It's Ernest. Yeah. it's Ernest. It's you Ernest. It's Ernest and Ernest good time. Yeah. Um, overall, again, yet again, this is probably one of my favorite years of the Music Box of Horror. It's a that is a five out of five like it is every year. I will be back next year. I will be back every year. Um until next year, this has been fourth times the charm. Good night, everybody. Talk y'all later. Good morning. Like and subscribe to all that jazz. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.